We are going to dismiss children for Children's Church. That's ages 4 through 1st grade. Out this north door. And you can follow the Holty family and company. And again, I thank you for braving the elements this morning. If you're like me, I was cleaning off my driveway, and just as I was about done, the plow came by and buried me back in again. So, uh, go figure. But I'm grateful for the snow plows, just not when they bury me in. So, it's about, been about three years and three quarters since my father passed, Dan Brand. He died in... February of 2015. And if I'm honest, I, I miss him. He was a good, good dad. He was a good father. As when we were kids, he took time to be with us, to throw the ball with us, to teach us uh, things, even things we didn't really want to learn sometimes, you know. He was a Cub Scout leader, and he was very generous, very generous with us as a father. And again, I miss him. Um, going into ministry, he was one of my biggest cheerleaders, and oftentimes would spend Sunday evenings just talking to him about how the day went uh, with preaching or, or teaching or what have you. But here's the thing, and, and I, I want to say this. I, I realize, and I, I don't say these things um, to boast, because I realize not everyone had a great father experience. I realize I was blessed. And um, I realize some of you have some father wounds that you're working through. But here's the point. For all the goodness I received at the hand of my earthly father, I have a heavenly father who's a better father than my earthly father. And he hears me when I call. And he gives good things to me. And if you're... In Christ Jesus, if you put your faith in Him, you have a good Heavenly Father as well. Last week, we're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. And one of Jesus' disciples comes to Him and says, Would you teach us to pray? Now, it's not as though they'd never prayed before, but Jesus gives them a, a template, if you will. And I'm just going to read it for you. If you have your Bibles, you might want to crack them open to Luke chapter 11. He says, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now, if you listen to those words and they're familiar to you, that's because they're part of the Lord's Prayer. And there's kind of a more expanded version of that in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, verse chapter 6. However, within that prayer, you have the essentials of what Jesus would have us pray. It's what I call a God-focused lens to pray to Him. And again, it starts out with God as Father. Because Jesus the Son has come to give us relationship with Him. That's what Jesus has come to do. But the question is, what kind of father is God? 
Is he a strict father waiting to pound us? A critical father waiting to find fault with us? Or is he a good father? And that's what Jesus wants to show today. So we're going to continue what Jesus has to tell us about prayer, and we're going to see who our Father is today. So I'm going to pick it up at verse 5, if you want to follow along. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much bread as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more your Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into what Jesus' words have for us today. Already, Father, um, we've discovered that you're a good Father in this instruction on prayer. So, would you send your Holy Spirit and stir him up within us to see what you have for us through your Son's instruction? Would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us faith to respond? And give us hope? Not wishful thinking, but hope that we have a Father who loves us, who sent his Son for us, and has given us his Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Here's the thing I want you to take home today. Big point. We can pray with bold perseverance because of the Father's goodness. We can pray with bold perseverance because of the Father's goodness. And we'll see how this plays out. But Jesus opens up his teaching here with a parable, with a story. He puts us into it. I call it the story of the inconvenienced friend. Now let's face it, most of us don't mind going to a neighbor or friend and asking to borrow something during daylight hours, right? A wrench, an egg, a cup of flour... But to come at midnight, that's something different, right? That's something you only do if there's a fire or somebody's life is in danger. But I, I want to kind of fill us in on some of the first century sensibilities of what's going on here, though, right? 
Jesus tells the story of, you know, you're in the situation and you have a friend who's come to you in the middle of the night. At midnight. I don't have many house guests that come at midnight. Sometimes, maybe. But in, in the first century, the first century, people would often travel in the night hours or the evening hours because they wanted to escape the heat of the day. And so a friend coming at midnight might be more common than we think. But here's also another thing that comes into play. Hospitality, Mid-Eastern hospitality. Not only are you responsible to house a guest, but you're there to feed them, to take care of them. And not having any food to give them is a, a bit of a crisis. And there is no 24-hour Walmart, Hy-Vee, 7-Eleven, what have you. Your only options are your neighbors, your friends around you. So, the only thing that's more awkward in inconveniencing a friend or a neighbor is when they let you know that they're, you're inconveniencing them, right? They kind of say, yeah, yeah, not so much. Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed and I can't give up to get you anything. I want to point out a couple things real quickly. From this story, the request is inconvenient, but it's not extravagant. The request is inconvenient, it's not extravagant. Right? It's a terrible time, you're going to wake up the kids, got to go down and unlock the door, but it's a few loaves of bread. Right? No one's going to break the bank on this. It's what everybody has. Again, it's like loaning an egg, a cup of flour, uh, sugar, what have you. Second of all, I want to say this. Here at the Breen Community Church, we're into doing life together, to living life together. We're not just here. This is not a school. This is a fellowship of believers. We believe we are brothers and sisters. And so we should be able to inconvenience each other at midnight, at three in the morning, if your pipe breaks you know what? You should be, there should be somebody in this fellowship you can call and say, I need help. And folks, if you don't have someone yet, you can call me. You can call me, but that's what we're about. We are Christ's community here, the Berean Community Church. But as we get to the end of the story, again, there's a obligation of hospitality, but not just by an individual, but actually the whole community, all right? So you have to understand, these houses in, in these villages, there's not a lawn and a privacy fence between the houses, right? It's probably an alley, maybe as wide as this aisle right here. And so if I'm saying, you know, Jacob, loan me some bread, you know, it's probably true that the guy across the, the aisle can hear exactly what's going on. He can hear that conversation, right? And it's realized by the man in this story that, yeah, I don't want to get up. I don't want to do this. But you know what? I know that my neighbors can hear this. And we have an obligation 
to be hospitable, and I don't want to have the shame of appearing inhospitable. And that's why Jesus will say, I tell you that even though he will not give up and give you bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, I love that, he will get up and give you as much as you need. It's not because you're buddies, but because you have made this bold request in a bold way. The word there, the Greek word there, is almost a demand. It's almost rude. It's almost like, it almost seems presumptuous here. The friend's not going to give you what they, you know, what you need because they love you, but because they don't want to be embarrassed and you've been audacious enough to do this publicly, to call him out, if you will. But here's the point. Here's where Jesus is going. If this is how your neighbor will, will treat you, how much more will our Heavenly Father give you what you need? Because you know what? He's never inconvenienced. He never sleeps. He's always ready to talk with you. He's always ready, available to engage you. And he's never put off by our boldness. In fact, he welcomes it. He welcomes our boldness so we would approach him. You know, there's a boldness that a child can have with a parent that someone else can't. It seems kind of weird, but because of that relationship... That child can ask, Dad, can I have this? Would you give me this? And that's how God views us. And some of us are challenged with that. We do not like to ask anyone for anything. Maybe it's the idolatry of self-sufficiency. We don't want to appear needy. But we even transfer this over to God sometimes. That's not what God wants for us. The author of Hebrews puts it in these terms. Remember, God is the king. He is on the throne of the universe. But we have a high priest through Jesus who's made a way. And he says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness even, a frankness, that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. We can pray with bold perseverance because of the Father's goodness. Now that's the, that's the Sunday school answer. That's the theology, right? But if you're like me, maybe you're going through some tough times. Maybe there's a tiredness. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you feel like, man, I've been praying and there's no traction. Folks, this teaching, this prayer is an anchor for us. An anchor for us of our Father's goodness. And to remind us that He is not done. To continue to pray for per- with perseverance. And we're going to talk about that here in a, mo- in a moment. But folks, if you're tired and discouraged, that's okay. But we can continue to pray with perseverance and trust because of our Father's goodness. We can approach Him with boldness. Say, God, I I need this. That's why Jesus gives us further instruction. Verse 9. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one 
who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. This is where perseverance comes into play. And the, all these verbs are in, in the continual tense. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Here's the one caveat or one danger here. And I, I want to be plain with this. We need to be careful not to make God our genie. Okay? Kind of a name it and claim it theology. And if I just keep persisting and asking for it, he's going to give it to me. That ski boat, that cabin by the lake, that Hawaiian vacation, that stunningly beautiful wife or handsome husband. And you know what? You can ask for those things. You truly can. But remember, remember, Jesus taught us to pray with a God-focused lens. It's very possible that those requests come through a self-focused lens. This is not a formula to get what you want. It is a relationship with a good father. And sometimes a good answer from our father is no. I got married when I was 34. I dated a few women before I met my wife Carrie. They're good, godly, upstanding women. And I was praying that that relationship would go forward. And God said no. And he said no again. And I said, what gives? And he said, trust me. God had to say no to these relationships so he could say yes to Carrie. And I'm not just trying to win brownie points with my wife here, folks. I will tell you, I look back on my life, I say, thank you, God, for saying no. And saying yes to my wife. That's your good blessing. It's your good answer to me. He's not stingy. But why perseverance? Why can I just ask and leave it at that? Well, I think many of you know that God is just as interested in where the process and what it does with us as he is with the end result. When we have to wait, it develops stuff in us, right? Character, patience. Sometimes it makes us reconsider what we're asking. Is that really God's best? Or is that just, again, my self-focused lens? It develops humility. It reminds us that we're not in control. We can't make things happen. It also develops faith and trust in our Heavenly Father that He will keep His Word. And by the way, Jesus is going to revisit this theme again as we get to chapter 18. To keep praying and not give up. But in this case, Jesus is interested in showing His disciples that he, they should know that they have a Heavenly Father, a good Heavenly Father that can be trusted. So verse 11. Which of you fathers, if, you ask, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Again, Jesus tells kind of a parable, a story, throwing them in the, in the mix, right? From the lesser to the greater. You! 
you, you, your son asks you for an egg, you're not going to give him a, a snake. A fish, you're not going to give him a scorpion, right? You know that's harmful, detrimental. And even though you are evil, what Jesus meant was you're affected by the fall, you still think in self-interested terms, and you sometimes are affected by looking at this earth as all there is. But you still know how to give good gifts to your kids. Well, how much more will your heavenly Father, who's perfect, give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't expect Jesus to end up there. I'm expecting him to end up where he ends up in Matthew's Gospel. Where he says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? That's kind of where I expect things to end up. And, and you know what? That's right. That's true. We don't need to argue with this. But Jesus here, and I, I'm certain that Jesus preached this message more than once, right? And changed some things around. Jesus ups the ante, I think, here in Luke's gospel. Our Father gives us good things because He is good. And now He's going to give us a good thing and that God gives us Himself. God is good and He gives us good things. God is good and that He gives us Himself. This is a little tricky. Maybe it's not really apparent here. But remember, Jesus, the Son, has come bringing the kingdom of God. He's the entry point through which we can have relationship with our Heavenly Father. He's the mediator. He will die for that. He'll pay the price and He'll rise from the dead, giving us His life. And you know what? He, he gives His Holy Spirit. This Gospel of Luke is written by the same author who writes the account of the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon those who believe in Jesus Christ. A new covenant where God does not just dwell in a temple, He dwells in the hearts and lives of those who follow Jesus. His indwelling Spirit that empowers you to live the Christian life. His indwelling Spirit that is an inner testimony of your adoption as sons and daughters of God. And it is a down payment on what is to come. <laughs> the resurrection of our own bodies. I love how Paul puts it in his epistle to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 11 through 16. And that the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life, give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit, those who, who lives, excuse me, of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, if you will. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Our Heavenly Father gives us good things. Remember, Jesus is calling us to pray through a God-focused lens. And ultimately, He gives us His Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, that's going to last much longer than a ski boat or a cabin or a vacation to Hawaii. He gives us Himself. (laughs) I can't help but think about Christmas, right? The Father sends His Son in order to buy us back to make us His sons and daughters. And then once we're there, He puts within us His Holy Spirit to give us the power to live this life, to guide us, to be a witness, an inner witness that we are His children. And that there's something so much more. And when you're dissatisfied with this world, I think it's a godly dissatisfaction. Because it's not the way God intended. Jesus is going to come back, folks. And He's going to make every right wrong. He's going to bring justice to everything. He's going to dry every tear. And then when He comes, we will see Him face to face, Him who we've seen through a mirror dimly lit, and we will see our Heavenly Father face to face. And you know what? Because my Father was a follower of Jesus, I'll see Him face to face. That'll be great. I will see my Heavenly Father face to face. He has given us Himself. Something that's going to last much longer than anything we think that we need. So we can pray with perseverance. And in that that perseverance, it may be, Lord, let Your kingdom come. Let Your will be done. Because things are not yet fully as you intend. And I can do so with hope. Because God has given me His Holy Spirit. He's given me Himself to testify that this is not all there is. We can pray with bold perseverance because God has given us Himself. I pray that you and I will be able to do that we head into this new week. So now, we're going to head into a time of remembering, again, that God has given us Himself in His Son. It's what we call the Lord's Supper. Some call it the Eucharist. Some call it communion. I just want to explain, if you're new here to Brian, what this is about. It's a remembrance that Jesus, God's Son, came for us. And it is a celebration. 
it's also very sober because it cost Jesus his